Welcome everyone. I'm Kim Wolf Price, the Attorney Professional Development and Diversity Officer here at Bond. I want to give you a little background on this series. The Torchbearer Spotlight series came to be through the work of the Bond Women's Initiative, and in particular, the Committee of Attorneys that does the planning for that initiative. Recognizing the significance um, and the significant contributions of the women at Bond, the committee decided it was time to shine a light on the talented, interesting, and notable women attorneys that have Bond as part of their story. The spotlight focuses on women attorneys formerly or currently at Bond in all stages of their careers. The Torchbearer Spotlight showcases the many ways Bond women lead and inspire others in their law practice, private lives, communities, and civic service, as well as their educational experiences. What makes these specials is that they are a conversation between colleagues, and you are invited into that conversation. Bond women like the way, and we want to applaud and honor these efforts so you can get to know them and they can inspire others the way they inspire us. We're excited to spotlight Dory Bailey today, a member in our business department. Dory's practice has often made her one of the only women in the room, and she'll talk about not only her work, but her mentors and how she works to mentor others. Our interviewer today is Elizabeth Morgan. Liz is an associate in the business department. Liz has impressed me since she sat in a classroom where I was teaching, and it is a pleasure to watch her grow and achieve as an attorney. These conversations are interesting and informative and a great way to highlight the wonderful women attorneys at Bond. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation, and I'll turn this over to Liz. All right. Thank you, Kim. Hi, everyone. Thank you for being here today. My name is Liz Morgan. I'm an associate in the business department here at Bond in the Syracuse office. And uh, it is my privilege today to interview my mentor, Dory. She is certainly one of my torchbearers. Dory really takes the time to explain everything from the nuts and bolts of a transaction to complex legal issues to all young business associates. Uh, while talking and preparing with Dory for today, there's a theme in her education and career that, as Kim mentioned, she has been one of the few women in the room. So it has been fascinating to get to know Dory better, and I hope that you all enjoy getting to know her as much as I did. So without further ado, we'll jump into questions. So my first set of questions really revolves around you trailblazing as a woman in business. So let's start from the beginning. Let's talk about where you're originally from, Dory, and describe growing up. Sure. Thank you so much, Liz. I um, just want to say I uh, appreciate all the work that you put into this. And, you know, it's really an honor to uh, to be speaking to everyone here today, um, you know, as, as a torchbearer for Bond. So I grew up on Long Island um, in a small town called Port Jefferson. And my very first torchbearer was my sixth grade teacher, Mrs. Justine Coverdale. Mrs. Coverdale was a wonderful, wonderful teacher. And she just, you know, it could, had a way of teaching that, you know, everybody could understand you know, what she was talking about and really learned from her. She was just wonderful. And one thing that she did for me in particular is that um, she recommended me for an after-school program, which was to put together a television news program for her local cable station. And when she told me about it, I was so excited. I thought this would be a you know, wonderful, amazing experience. I, I couldn't wait to do it. But then she told me that it was going to be for six weeks, every day after school, and we would be staying after school beyond when the late bus was, was leaving. So, you know, I, I was so disappointed and I had to tell her that I, I wouldn't be able to participate. I, I wouldn't be able to get a ride home at that time. So literally in, in two seconds, she said back to me, oh, well, I'll just drive you home. And, and she did. She drove me home every day after school for six weeks, and I did not live anywhere near uh, where she lived. And so she really, really went the extra mile, literally, for me to, to make this opportunity available to me 
and, and to make sure that I could actually participate participate in this in this particular program. And, you know, Mrs. Coverdale actually passed away a few years ago. And I learned that, um, that she actually was from Maryland and that she was the youngest of 12 children and she was born into a sharecropper family. And so, you know, really from very humble beginnings, she rose to becoming an amazing teacher, highly respected teacher in our school district. And you know, I really owe a huge debt of gratitude for, for what she did to, for me and, and being a torchbearer in my life. That's really great that you had such a good role model, you know, at such an early age in your life. So then I guess let's fast forward a bit. So similar to you, I went to college in the capital region of New York. Let's talk about your time at the University of Albany. Sure. Yes. Yeah. So I went to the University of Albany and uh, you know, I really enjoyed my experience there. I have a lot of great friends that um, I met there, I'm still friends with, and it was really a wonderful time there. When it came to deciding what I wanted to major in, I'd always, sort of my first love was, you know, my English classes in, in high school. And so I, I knew I definitely wanted to be an English major, but I also decided to try some of the business classes at the college. And I found that I really, really enjoyed those classes. And so I decided to be a double major, um, business and English. And then within the business major, you could concentrate in different areas. There was the option of concentrating in marketing or management or finance or management information science. And so I decided to concentrate in finance. I really enjoyed, enjoyed that aspect of business law or excuse me, business classes and really enjoyed that. And, and, I, and that's what I did. But, you know, what I, what I found was that in my business classes, uh, in particular, my finance classes, there was not a lot of other women who decided to concentrate in finance. So it was interesting. There was, you know, which was really kind of odd to me because there was about a 50-50 split between men and women who were business majors. But then when it came to the concentrations, most of the women went into the marketing concentration um, and most of the men went into the finance concentration. And so I was definitely sort of one of the few women in the room from my, my finance classes. And, and I actually you know, found that that, that sort of um, scenario kind of continued throughout the rest of my sort of education and, and even you know, into my career as well. Well, I certainly uh, can share that experience too. So uh, if for any of you that know Dory at all, we know that how incredibly of a hard worker she is. And I know you've worked a lot. So let's talk about the types of part-time jobs that you had before college and in high school and also while in college and how that shaped your career. Sure. Yes. I'd be happy to. So yeah, I feel like I've been working for a long time. So I think my very, very first job was, you know, babysitting the, the neighborhood kids. I probably started that when I was about 12. Then when I turned 14, I started volunteering at the, at the nursing home and, you know, in our community. And I, I would read stories uh, to the residents there. Uh, then when I turned 16, I got a job um, working at a fast food restaurant, um, being the cashier there. So it was definitely a, a big change from, from working at the nursing home uh, and also from babysitting. So that was, was definitely a very, very interesting experience. Then when I went to college, I definitely had a lot of other types of job opportunities available to me. So during college, I worked each semester at the Barnes and Noble bookstore. That was our college bookstore on campus. And that was really a great job. I worked as a cashier there as well. And, you know, it was really great seeing like my friends come in and buy their books or, or buy, you know, other items that they needed at the bookstore. So that was really kind of a fun job and, and you know, a good job to have during college. During the summers, I had quite a variety of, of different job experiences. One summer, 
I worked, uh, so previously, you know, I, I mentioned I was at a fast food restaurant and this, uh, this particular summer I worked at a sit down restaurant and it had a salad bar and I was a designated salad bar person to, to fill up that salad bar during the, during the time I was there. And I really have to say, I have a huge amount of respect for people who work in the food service industry because it is a very, very demanding sort of physically demanding type of type of job. So the way it was set up, you know, at this restaurant was there were these huge bins, 50 pound bins of lettuce and tomatoes and cucumbers and all the different types of fixings for, for a salad that would, were stacked up to the ceiling. And so I had this ladder that I would move around to, to get these bins down to, to fill up the salad bar continuously. So it was really you know, again, a huge amount of respect to, for people who, who do this type of work because working in the food service industry is, you know, very demanding and it was really fun, but, you know, definitely very challenging, you know, sort of physically demanding work. And then another summer, I worked at a home center where I lived in, in Long Island and I worked in their, in their uh, window covering area. So I was basically selling window shades and blinds to mostly new homeowners who wanted to, to purchase that and I found myself giving advice as to what color shades would work well with, you know, how the walls were painted. They would bring in, um, you know, color schemes to show me and offering advice on style and what went with what. And, you know, I really had no background in that whatsoever. So I did my best and hopefully people were happy with what they got. But um, it was definitely very interesting for me to kind of learn about, you know, these people, these other people who were, you know, kind of starting their their lives, their, their sort of first new house. And so it was, it was really enjoyable as well. And then my, my summer right before my senior year of college, I definitely had the best job for me. I um, was hired to to work at First American Bank, and that bank actually no longer exists. It was thereafter acquired by, by another bank, but at the time I was there, it was called First American Bank, and I was hired into their credit department, and I my job title was financial analyst, which I thought was just this amazing job title, and what I did and what they trained me to do was to analyze financial statements of companies that wanted to get a loan from the bank and then write up a, a credit memorandum about the company, the history of the company, what they did, what the loan was for, and what their financial situation was and whether or not they could afford this loan. So it was, it was really a great job. I had it over the summer. And then I was also able to work at that at the bank continuing through my senior year. And, you know, I really, you know, credit Patty Glenn, who was the manager of that department who hired me and as being one of my torchbearers as well, because that job, you know, was really an amazing job for me because what I was able to do with that job is when when I was in my senior year in college and interviewing for my future sort of full-time job, um, I was interviewing with a, a lot of banks and, you know, it's sort of at the end of, you know, each, each sort of interview, they would it's kind of typical, is there anything else you'd like to tell me about yourself type of question? And I would say, yes, actually, you know, based on what I'm currently doing for American Bank, I think I'm perfect, you know, for, for this position, you know, that, that I'm being interviewed for. And so, you know, it really was extremely helpful to me to have had that job. So I really appreciate that, that Patty Glenn hired me for that job and, you know, kept me on the whole year. And it was, you know, really a great experience for me. Well, Dory, you certainly have the eclectic past and the food industry and babysitting and interior designing and then banking. I mean, it really is impressive. And I was a waitress for about eight years. So I have some serious respect for this food industry too. So all these experiences kind of accumulated to your first job out of college. Let's talk about that. 
and your time at the Bank of New York. Yes, yes, thank you. Yes, so I um, right at college, I started working for the Bank of New York. I was hired into their management training program, which was in New York City. So I, I worked a year in New York, New York City, which was a really fun um, place to work um, for that time. And uh, what they basically trained us in is, is a lot of what I had already really learned at First American Bank. So a lot of reviewing financial statements and looking at companies and determining whether or not they were a good risk for the bank to make, make them a loan. But, you know, what was, was nice about the Bank of New York, it, it was classroom training as well as on-the-job training. So it was really, really a great experience, really a great learning experience. So I really, really enjoyed that. And then once I graduated from their management training program, I then became a commercial loan officer and I worked in White Plains uh, in Westchester County. I also worked in Poughkeepsie and in Dutchess County. And I was a commercial loan officer for, you know, all the businesses in the area. So it really, my customers ranged from physician practices, daycare centers, uh, educational institutions, um, construction companies, excavating companies, equipment manufacturers. It was just really wide ranging type of, of businesses that we lent to. And what, what I found really, really great about it was that all these business owners that I spoke with, would just love to tell me about their business. You know, they were so proud of what they were doing and they would tell me, you know, why they bought their business and and how they grew their business and how they made what they made, how the manufacturing process worked. And and so it was really, really interesting to me and it really gave me a great insight into how businesses worked, how they're started, how they're formed, you know, what goes into making a successful business. So, So I really found that, you know, aspect of it really, really interesting. And also, talking to the different business owners and seeing sort of, you know, different management styles, different ownership styles, you know, of how they handle things. So again, really, really interesting, you know, experience for me there. Did you find that, you know, some of your clients, were they predominantly male or female or were they, um, can you explain about that? Yeah. So, you know, kind of um, continuing from my sort of educational experience, I would say that um, predominantly my customers were the owners of of the businesses were predominantly male. I did have a few women owners that I knew of, of the businesses that I that I worked with. One, I had a daycare center that the woman, uh, there was a woman, female owner. There was also a female uh, executive director of the local Girl Scout chapter that we lent to. And then there was another female owner of a business and the business that she owned was a meat market. And, and that one really kind of stuck in, stuck, has stuck uh, in my mind because that, that, owner of that business came to me for a loan at one point. And so she gave me her financial statements and she wanted to get a loan to purchase a freezer because her freezer was not working very well and it was very close to failing. And really she needed that freezer to really continue her business because of needing it for the meat. So, you know, I went through her financial statements and, you know, unfortunately she did not have the, the business income to be able to support that loan. And so, you know, I really had no choice but to really turn her down, which I, I felt terrible about. And so she came to me and she said, you know, is there anything that you can do for me? And, you know, I went home that night, you know, kind of wrecked my brain trying to think what what possibly, you know, could I do? Um, I went to bed, woke up the next morning and an idea kind of popped up in my head that, you know, I remembered that she said, told me, she was fairly young, she was in her 20s, and she still lived at home with her parents. And I remember she had told me that both of her parents worked at IBM and had really good salaries. And so I thought, well, 
let's see what happens. So I called her up and I said, you know, what do you think of maybe your parents co-signing the loan with you? Would that, would they be willing and would you be okay with that? And she talked to them, came back and said, absolutely. And so we made her the loan and she was thrilled. And I was, you know, so relieved that I was able to, to make her the loan. And it really taught me, I, I think, really kind of an important lesson that sometimes going the, you know, the ordinary way of doing things, sometimes when it doesn't work out, try to think of some other way um, that you might do something, some other path that you might take to, to be able to, you know, help your customer, help your client. Because I, I think in the end, you know, it's, it really pays off if you're able to help them and getting the, achieving the goal that they're trying to achieve. Right. Well, you're certainly dedicated to your clients when you worked at the bank and certainly now. So while you're at the bank, let's talk about what happened in the mid 2000s and and all that jazz. Yeah. So when I was still actually a junior loan officer at the bank, um, the Bank of New York acquired another bank. And it was actually not a very friendly acquisition. And the loan officers that were in my area all quit all on the same day, all at once, like it was kind of planned. And so what ended up happening is that I then became responsible for hundreds of, of loans that weren't previously my loans. And so so that all happened. And then very quickly thereafter, uh, the country went into a, a major recession. And so I spent a lot of time and working out those loans, trying to modify the terms so that the customers could pay. So it was really kind of a sink or swim uh, kind of scenario. And, you know, but I, I definitely learned a lot. It was, it was, you know, looking back on it, it was a, a good experience from, from everything that I learned, you know, definitely, um, definitely was, was a, a interesting time. Mm. And so during your time there, did you have any torchbearers or mentors? I actually did. Yes. So I would say I had two torchbearers while I was at the Bank of New York. Um, my first torchbearer was Margaret Schultz. She had interviewed me. And um, also after I was hired, she she trained me after I finished the, the sort of more formal training program. Then when I became a loan officer, she was the person in charge of training me. You know, she really taught me everything that I needed to know to, to be a loan officer. And she was just a wonderful, wonderful teacher, trainer. She uh, was very kind, very patient. She was very thorough, um, very clear. Her door was always open. So I always appreciated you know, everything she did, she did for me to really help me along in my, my own career. You know, one thing that I always kind of remembered about Margaret that kind of that stuck in my head as well is that when I interviewed with her, um, we kind of went through the sort of standard interview questions. And then at the kind of almost towards the end of the interview, she said, so what do you eat for dinner usually at college? And, you know, for a moment, I thought, wow, I've never been asked that question before. And gosh, what kind of answer is she looking for? And, and I tried to think, well, you know, I eat a variety of things. So what, what should be the one thing that I talk about? And I thought, well, you know, I guess I'm interviewing for a bank job. They probably want me to sound responsible. So I said, well, I, you know, sometimes have chicken with vegetables and that seemed to satisfy her. <laughs> and so, though, and of course I did get the job, but after I started working there, I, I asked Margaret, why did she ask me that question? And she said that, her daughter had just started college or, or was in her first year of college, and she was very worried that her daughter was eating well. What was she eating? And was she being responsible about eating well? And so, um, and she just, just wanted to know what another college student might be eating. And so I guess sometimes 
you know, questions, just the question, not really have anything to do with uh, with the actual job uh, that I was, you know, being being interviewed for. But I always kind of kind of stuck in my mind. Another uh, torchbearer that I had when I worked at the Bank of New York was um, a woman named Carolyn Pilewell, and she was the executive director of the American Cancer Society, the, the local unit. And she was just amazing. She was like this dynamo of a person. And she, um, you know, was American Cancer Society, of course, is a, a not-for-profit organization, but she made that organization so profitable. I mean, she just, she knew how to fundraise. She knew how to plan events. She was just wonderful. And I, um, I volunteered to, uh, to chair uh, some of the annual walkathons uh, while I was there. And I worked with her quite a bit and she just knew how to manage an event, knew how to manage the organization, knew how to manage people. And I feel like I learned so much just from working with her. So, so I definitely, you know, I credit her with being one of my torchbearers as well. And, and in addition to all of that, she also agreed to write my law school recommendation for me. So, um, so I also appreciated that as well. Mm. So we discussed earlier how very often people say that your first job out of college is not a big deal. Clearly, that doesn't seem to be the case for you. It seemed to really shape your career. So then let's talk about the next step in your career. Let's talk about law school. What made you make the plunge? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I when I was in in college, I definitely had thought about going to law school. I had friends that were going to law school, but I just, you know, wasn't a hundred percent sure. You know, it was definitely going to be a big investment as far as you know time and and, and money, and and I, I wasn't a hundred percent sure. So, you know, I, I didn't do it right at that time, but it was, it was definitely still, you know, kind of in the back of my mind. Did I want to go to law school? And while I was working for the Bank of New York, I interacted quite a bit with with our in-house counsel as well as our outside counsel on various transactions that I was doing. And you know, the more that I talked to other lawyers or took to lawyers that I was uh, dealing with, I found you know what they were doing really really interesting, and it just sort of piqued my interest you know even more into going to law school. And one instance in particular that, that really really I found very interesting was at one point we had gotten a, um, a payment from a client, from a customer. And when we looked at their financial statements that they also had provided, it looked like they were not doing very well. And so we were concerned that they might declare bankruptcy fairly soon. And so we were a little worried as to whether or not we could accept that payment. So I called our in-house counsel and, and told her the, the story. And she said, well, we can accept the payment, but um, we should not apply it to the loan we should put it in a holding account. And so that it kind of sits there for a bit of time because until we know whether or not they're going to declare bankruptcy in in a certain period of time from when we received that payment, because if they did, if they did declare bankruptcy, there was a possibility that the bankruptcy judge might tell us that we had to give up that payment, to give that payment back because perhaps it belongs more rightly to another creditor. And she said that that is potentially considered a fraudulent conveyance, giving us a payment that really should go to someone else. And so I thought, you know, that name just kind of got me fraudulent conveyance. And I thought, wow, that is so interesting that, that, you know, making a payment to your lender somehow could be a fraudulent transaction. So I found that so interesting. And I just decided, you know, I keep thinking this is going to be, you know, this is an interesting thing to do to go to law school and I should just take the plunge and, and go ahead and, and go to law school. So, so that is what I did. And then what'd you major in or, or what'd you concentrate in law school? 
So in law school, I had a, um, they did offer a concentration in business law and regulation. And so I think, you know, based on my prior experiences um, with my business major in college and also working at the bank, it seemed like that was the right, right fit for me. And so I did concentrate in business law and regulation in law school and a whole bunch of classes in that and, and found it, again, very interesting. It was very similar in many ways to what I had already um, taken in college, but from a legal perspective. So definitely different in that regard. But one, one thing that I also found similar to my college experience is very few other students that were women were in those classes with me in those business law classes. So again, kind of one of the, the few women in the room in that regard as well. But you didn't just focus on business. Weren't you a research assignment for an evidence professor? <laughs> yes, yes. So, you know, probably not not consistent with my prior, um, you know, focus on business. But yes, I, I ended up being a research assistant for, for the evidence professor, Professor Faust Rossi. And I, I worked for him over a summer and it was, you know, really interesting work. And, and Professor Rossi was just, you know, really wonderful to have given me that opportunity and he acknowledged my work, you know, in the article that he, that he published um, based off of that. And, you know, so I really, I really credit him with being one of my torturers for doing that and, to, and for also encouraging me to, to continue writing. So he was definitely a, a big influence in my life. Right. So your early passion was English. And uh, I know that you did continue to write. And in fact, you won a writing award. <laughs> Actually, yes, yes, thank you. Yeah, I uh, I did continue to write, and I wrote a few um, law review articles and journal articles. And um, one of the articles that I wrote, which was about the the previous financial crisis, it was published um, in a journal in the University of Pennsylvania, and it did win a, write, a writing award, which you know was was great. You know, it was really you know nice, and um, very I was very appreciative of that. And I really really credit um, Professor Rossi for encouraging me to continue writing and. Um, you know, so I really did appreciate his mentorship for me. Yeah, that's great. Kudos on that award. Okay, so let's talk about the beginning of your legal career and your work in the business department here at Bond. So what did you do right after law school? Sure. So um, right after law school, I got a job with uh, a different firm, actually, Lakeland and Watkins in Washington, D.C., and uh, I had a business corporate practice there. I did, you know, really everything uh, corporate. I represented domestic companies and international companies. I did um, mergers and acquisitions, um, stock sales, asset sales, commercial contracts, regulatory work. So really everything, you know, and anything business related. What was definitely, you know, sort of interesting working working there was that kind of a very uh, interesting perspective on sort of the geographic uh, differences that that we have. Um, So for example, I had one uh, client that I was doing a transaction for in London and another client that I was doing a transaction for at the same time that was located in Hawaii. And so because of the time difference, I would have early morning calls with the client in London and then I would have um, evening calls with the client in Hawaii, and so uh, at the same on the same days. And so it was it was literally every day we would have these calls. So it was you know really really um, really an experience for me. And but I really learned a lot about you know these different companies and different places kind of around the world. And was so it was a very 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 interesting experience. And I would say it was also a lot of fun I'm living in Washington D.C. Uh, my husband and I have two children, a, a boy and a girl, and so we spent a lot of time taking the kids to the, you know, the National Air and Space Museum and 
in the National Arboretum and the National Zoo. And, you know, my kids could just like stand there for hours watching the pandas. So it was just really, really fun. And we also, every so often when we'd have a big snowfall, we would go cross-country skiing on the National Mall. So that's that's like in between the Lincoln Memorial and the Capitol. So, so definitely kind of a unique experience, you know, living there in Washington, D.C., um, which, you know, was definitely a lot of fun while we were there. And then, and then, so how'd you uh, come up to Syracuse? How'd you get well, here? Yeah, so great question. Um, so my my husband, um, he got this opportunity to to come to Syracuse um, with his job. It was a great opportunity, and you know, we talked about it, and we thought, you know, at that point in our lives, it made a lot of sense um, to to really come back to our roots in New York State and to you know our beginnings in upstate New York. And so we we came back here. Uh, and live in you know Syracuse area, and so and we're really great, glad we did. It's you know a great place to raise children and and to have a career here, and definitely very very happy we made that move. And now now you're a member in the Bonds Business Department here, so it's, I don't know if you want to talk about that, or I can go into my next questions. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, I'll just I'll just briefly say yes. I'm you know I work here at Bond um, in the business department. I do very similar to what I did at my you know earlier firm. I you know work on mergers and acquisitions, um, stock purchases, asset purchases, uh, regulatory work. So very very similar and and similar experiences in in um, what I find very interesting in particular is that especially in the mergers and acquisitions area, you know, everybody has their own unique reason for wanting to sell their business or unique reason for wanting to purchase a particular business. And so it's very interesting to get that insight and, you know, learn about that from, from our various clients. And I think also what's, what's great about a business practice is that, you know, in addition to the, the legal advice that we, you know, that we provide to clients, there's also sort of like that business counseling that we provide as well, because each business really has its own unique set of circumstances. So I find that really interesting, you know, to learn about the different clients and, and hopefully provide them, you know, with advice that, you know, they can really use, you know, in their business or, you know, thereafter. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So my first, uh, or not, First, but a big torchbearer highlight in my mind is your uh, you growing and really forming Bonds Financial Institutions regulatory practice from the ground up. Let's talk about that. Uh, how did that start? What type of matters do you handle, and how is it going? You know, basically started because you know as I worked at Bond, I was doing actually a lot of um, banking law work already. You know, even when I first started here, and I noticed that we didn't have a separate financial institutions practice area was kind of within the, the, you know, kind of the larger department. And so, you know, I thought to myself, you know, maybe this would be, you know, a, a really a good time to have a separate department that just really focused on financial institutions. So I, I pitched my idea to Bob Kirchner, who was uh, the head of our business department here that, of creating a new practice group and a financial institutions regulatory practice group. And he immediately said, that's a great idea. I fully support that. And so, you know, I definitely also credit Bob with being really one of my torturers as well and being, you know, so fully supportive, you know, of my idea. And, and yes, you know, we really kind of started the, the group, you know, from the ground up, kind of built it from the ground up. I, I chair the, the practice group and we do, you know, everything and anything for financial institutions, for banks, for credit unions, for thrift institutions, commercial contract work. We do privacy work, regulatory appeals, whistleblower protection advice, 
uh, mergers and acquisitions, if I haven't already said that, you know, we do really everything that a financial institution needs. So really, I find it really fun practice to do, be part of. Um, we've got 14 attorneys that work in the practice area, we've over five different offices. So really, really happy with how things have turned out and really enjoyed the practice area. Right. And in my mind, it's only going to continue growing. So uh, it's really impressive and really amazing that you, you know, that you pretty much started that. So this, this type of work is incredibly sophisticated. Uh, do you find that there are other women in this line of legal work? So I would say that, you know, unfortunately, no, I'm, I don't find a lot of other women, you know, in this type of work doing banking law work in particular, and, you know, even more broadly in, in the business areas, you know, kind of continuing what I've, I've seen, you know, in, in my sort of my education and earlier career, I, I can think of certainly the, um, the attorney that was the in-house counsel at the Bank of New York, you know, was a woman. And one of my, one of my clients, one of my current clients, their general counsel is a woman. But, you know, by and large, it's, you know, again, sort of uh, one of the few women in the room type of situation. So, you know, definitely it's, it's just, it doesn't seem to be very common for, mm-hmm. for women to go into a banking, a legal banking career. Well, going back to how I started, I, I mentioned that you were my mentor and I know that a big part of your practice and, uh, your experience here at Bond or mentoring young associates, as well as uh, providing teaching in the community. So let's talk about your experiences in your education and career and how uh, that affects your role in mentoring associates. Sure, of course. Yes. So, um, you know, I think as a result of finding myself to be sort of one of the few women in the room, um, you know, in, in sort of sometimes in my business practice or certainly my banking law practice, you know, I really um, highly encourage um, younger female attorneys to, to give it a try, you know, to try a business law practice um, and, and a banking law practice. I mean, I find it to be a very you know, um, very highly interesting, dynamic area of the law. And so what I try to do in my mentoring um, of, of younger associates is to make opportunities available to them and work with them on, you know, various projects and just kind of, you know, give them give them a sense of what it might be like and or what it is like and hoping that um, the more people, more women will go into these areas. because I do think it's a very, very interesting area um, to practice in. And so you're also an adjunct professor at... Syracuse University College of Law. Let's talk about that. What are your experiences there? Sure, yes. So, yes, I've been teaching for many, many years at the College of Law, teaching banking law. And um, and I love teaching. As you know, it's a, it's a great thing to do, um, to, to, to teach um, young people. It's wonderful. And I, but I do find, you know, I guess I shouldn't be surprised anymore, but I do find that, you know, what was the case many, many years ago when I was in college is still the case today, you know, in 2022, that... There's very few women that take these classes. And so in my class, for example, I have 20 students enrolled, pre-registered for my banking law class in the fall. But of those 20 students, only three are female students. And so what I try to do when I'm teaching or, um, you know, sometimes after class is really encourage the female students that do take my class to take other types of business law classes and also to encourage their own friends to uh, to try a business law class or to try a banking law class. Because I, I really believe that, you know, if, if women t- took those classes in, in college or in law school, it would really give them, you know, a, a, you know, at least a small understanding, in some cases, a larger understanding, depending on the class, of, of what it might be like to, to work in those areas. And so, you know, so I do what, hopefully, whatever I can to to try to encourage that, to kind of open those doors for, for, for people kind of considering what they want to do for their careers. 
Well, you definitely make an impact. So in addition to being a mentor, in addition to being a professor, you are also a Girl Scout troop leader for your daughter's troop. Let's talk about that. Yes, yes. So I have been a Girl Scout troop leader for my daughter's Girl Scout troop for the last 10 years. And it's really an incredibly gratifying experience. I mean, I watch these young girls become amazing young women. And it's just, you know, a wonderful experience to watch that and see that see that happen. We do a variety of, you know, sort of typical Girl Scout activities, such as getting badges. And of course, you know, I'm always the one to teach or to work on the financial literacy badge. You know, they have to have that badge. You know, we can't can't skip that one over. So so I definitely go over that with them. Um, And one thing that our troop is, you know, sort of particularly proud of is for their silver award, we, um, we work to uh, do a, a big fundraiser for the Ronald McDonald House. And basically what we did was we organized a, a field day event for the troops in our area and everybody donated to participate in the field day. So then we donated that money to the Ronald McDonald House. We also partnered with area businesses to donate money to the Ronald McDonald House. And we also went and our girls cooked a brunch for the families at the Ronald McDonald House that are staying there because their their child is, uh, you know, getting medical care here in the central New York area. So, you know, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience for, for me as a leader and certainly for our girls. So I'm, I'm, you know, thrilled that, you know, I was been able to do this all these years and kind of continue to do it. So yeah, it's it's been wonderful. Wow. Well, we've, I've certainly gotten to know you a lot better in this process. And so is everyone viewing this. And I, I want to round out today by asking you a question. Um, what advice would you give your 18-year-old self with all of your experiences uh, in life and your career thus far? Sure. Yes. So, I mean, I would say, kind of looking back, that, you know, when you're young, when you're kind of you know, 18, 19, 20, 21, kind of those years, you know, people will offer you advice. And sometimes you, you, know, you listen, sometimes you don't. But I would say that I was offered, you know, wonderful advice from teachers in high school, um, college professors, even, you know, when I started my career, people I worked with, well, you know, were my supervisors or, or even just my colleagues. And so I would say, you know, I, I would say to my 18-year-old self, you know, definitely listen to that advice. You know, definitely take that in because other people's experiences really do, you can really learn from them. You know, you can really learn from other people's experiences and, and what their advice is. So I definitely say that to my 18-year-old self. And, and also, I would also say that, you know, for anyone, it doesn't even have to be someone who's young, but anyone at all, um, definitely do what you're interested in doing. So, you know, when I was kind of starting out and trying to figure out what I would major in in college, you know, I knew I wanted to major in English, but I wasn't really sure what else I want interested in. And, you know, I tried business and I really liked it. And, you know, I, th- I think some, some people might think that that's an unusual combination, English and business with a finance concentration. But, but I really felt that, you know, sort of my my analytical skills that I, I learned from, you know, sort of analyzing a, a novel by Herman Melville was really very applicable to analyzing financial statements and my banking career. And then, and then in my legal career, you know, analyzing banking law statutes and uh, regulations and, and case law. And so, you know, it, it really worked out for me certainly to, to do what I did. And, and so I would just say, you know, to anyone, you really, do what you want to do, do what you find interesting, because, you know, I, I think everything, you know, if you do that, things will fall into place for you. Well, thank you, Dory. You're a great leader, a great mentor, and just an overall great person. Um, do you have any concluding thoughts for today you'd like to end on? Sure. So I would say that, you know, 
from my perspective, being a torchbearer is, you know, really paying it forward. And I think that I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for all of my torchbearers and being so kind and so supportive to me and, you know, making opportunities available to me, making sure I could participate in those opportunities and taking it to the next level. So I I really feel that, you know, so many people did that for me. And, you know, I I feel that, you know, that's what I try to do for others, um, you know, is try to make opportunities available and and allow people to have experiences and and provide advice when when asked and try to give whatever, you know, experiences I have to try to help other people. So I feel like if you do that, it's all good. And the extent that it helps people, you know, it makes me happy that I can maybe have a little inkling of help to um, provide to, you know, other people in their careers or in their lives. Well, thank you for being you. Well, I can certainly say from personal experience that you've made an impact on my career. So thank you. Well, that that concludes our feature on Dory Bailey. Uh, thank you all for joining. Uh, Bond is continuing the Torchbearers series throughout the year. So we hope to see you all there. And thank you all. Have a great day. Bond, Shenick, and King has prepared this communication to present only general information. This is not intended as legal advice, nor should you consider it as such. You should not act or decline to act based upon the contents. While we try to make sure that the information is complete and accurate, laws can change quickly. You should always formally engage a lawyer of your choosing before taking actions which have legal consequences. For information about our communication, firm, practice areas, and attorneys, visit our website, bsk.com. This is Attorney Advertising.